Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you Ed Rush, former F-18 fighter pilot, five-time best-selling author, and seven-figure advisor. This guy is so much fun and has got the most incredible stories, and that's only just a small piece of what he does. So I'm looking forward to hearing more and sharing Ed Rush with you today. Welcome, Ed. Heidi, what's going on? It's an honor to be on your show. I know we've been working together now for I don't know, what has it been, about six months? It's been amazing to see your business just totally explode and the work that you do helping people. And man, I've been waiting for this call for uh, days now. So let's let's get rocking and rolling, man. I can't wait. Awesome. You know, I'm going to shoot right into it. As you know, my work is really about the human relationship with technology and how it's changing the way that we work and live. And I'm sure that you've seen both in your piloting days, uh, but also in the work that you do now with advising, how your business has evolved and changed because of technology. Can you share a little bit about, <laughs> about that experience? Yeah. So like the good, the bad, and the ugly, basically, it oh, sounds yeah. like that kind of question. You know, I, I go back to uh, when I was flying F-18s, which I did for about 11 years before I got out and started building businesses and helping people online and offline. And if you go to Google, you can actually see this. If you just type in the stick and throttle of the F-18, but we used to have if you take your left hand, you put your left hand out in front of you, we used to have a button for the pinky, button for the ring finger, button for the middle finger, button for the index finger. And on your thumb, down the left-hand side of the throttle, uh, we'd have another seven uh, buttons or switches that we could operate things with. And then our hand, the right hand of a pilot, uh, would hold on to the stick. And on our thumb, there were one, two, three different switches you could use. And then there was one button or trigger or switch for every single uh, one of your fingers all the way one two three four five and so that was uh, i don't know if that was seven or let's see that was about 11 plus eight so that's 10, 15 to 18 switches that you as a pilot had your hand on uh, and then you had multiple displays three very high-tech displays and then several other ones and we used to have in the in the airplane something that we would call a finger fire and a finger fire was when you just got so got going so fast uh, that you got behind yourself, and next thing you know, you're pushing all the wrong buttons, and you can't get the displays to work properly uh, because you've done uh, so much too fast in the airplane. And you know, interestingly, it's very similar for us as entrepreneurs. We've been given this amazing blessing. I mean, it is an absolute blessing. You read stories from people back 300 years ago taking stage coaches across, you know, the Donner Pass, just trying to survive with the, the fires and uh, what they caught or or hunted that particular day. And you know. Now we can just pick up our phone like I did two nights ago and you can push Postmates and you can get food delivered directly to your door. As a business owner, it's the incredible ability to directly connect with any marketplace anywhere. But at the same time, it's also given us a lot of finger fires. Uh, and we've, we've created a world for ourselves where we live in under such urgency. <laughs> and we live in such connectedness uh, that it really takes away a lot of our peace. And so, yeah, I think the work that you're doing, Heidi, is absolutely amazing. I mean, technology is an incredible tool and it's an amazing gift that we've been given, but that can also, one, it can rob your life away. And then if you're behind, which a lot of people, a lot of people are, you know, sometimes we don't catch the, the front of the wave. If you're behind, 
uh, it makes it difficult to catch up. And that's why I think what you're doing is so smart. Thank you. Thank you. You know, for me, having been a teacher of technology for many years, it was just, it was such a, an obvious solution to be able to really help people navigate that piece because really it was more about not necessarily the technology being challenging, but the relationship with technology being challenging. And it's <laughs> yeah. that, that feeling of, oh, I've got to catch up and I'm too far behind. So I'm just going to wait it out. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, such a beautiful tool. But again, it's a tool. You know, it's, I, I had someone recently, one of the smartest people I know, uh, one of the most connected people I know, and one of the best technological people uh, that I know. And he said, he said that within the next 10 years, uh, you will either be giving instructions to a computer or taking instructions from a computer. Uh, and when you look at our world today, it's interesting because the classes are beginning to separate and the classes are beginning to go from upper class and lower class into a class of people who give instructions to computers uh, and a class of people who take instructions from computers. So, for example, folks who drive for Uber or Postmates, I was just telling you, or uh, who deliver packages for Amazon. Those are great people. There's nothing wrong with them. But they're taking instructions from a computer. And there's folks that own those companies uh, or manage those companies or derive coding for those companies that are giving instructions for those computers. And you actually see the classes begin to separate. And so I'm not making any judgments. I'm just saying, if you had a choice, uh, you would be the kind of person who would be uh, owning, managing, running a company that in your case, you are actually the one that's giving instructions in this case to the technology of the computer, because really it's just a tool. Uh, it's something that we've been given as a gift to be able to use well, but it's also something that can totally take over our lives, which is why uh, separating yourself from it, or at least managing how you use it, uh, is super important, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's the key piece there is to get it to a place where you're at peace with it. And you're, you know, you're really in a flow state with your technology, it's not running you, you're running it, or rather, yeah. you're, you know, you're working beautifully together, uh, whether you're in the command or controlled position. Yep. Um, I actually, yeah, I remember hearing you talk about a story of using the simulators. And it makes me think back to so my nephew is a race car driver. And I remember when he first started out, it was all sort of directly in these uh, go karts and whatnot. And then he started doing these simulations that were super complex. But it was kind of amazing to watch his hand coordination with it because he had been a video gamer. And so for him, the dexterity yeah. of moving yeah. your fingers so fast, because in a race car, the controls are mostly done with your hands. So, I mean, did you experience some of that changing over your F-18 career in terms of just, you know, changing the way that we physically have to engage with the technology? It's such an interesting question. And thank you for asking that. Everything's about training. So I, I do a lot of speaking, as you know, and you've certainly seen me speak a few times. I work with uh, leaders and CEOs and folks who are trying to change the world and coaching and mentoring and advising them and helping them accomplish what they want to accomplish. And part of it is being able to train themselves really, really well to do certain things. And so I'm going to take you kind of to the first time as you're listening to the show uh, with Heidi and I, I want to take you back to the first time that you ever drove a car. And so I want you to think about that for a minute. Like when I go back to when I was 16, which is exactly the age I was in Pennsylvania, when I got my permit, uh, it was exactly the day that I got my permit that I was out there in the parking lot with my dad. 
I happened to be in a automatic drive car with this little Honda Civic Accord or whatever it was at the time. And I remember he, he drove to this empty parking lot and he was driving and he switched seats and he put me in the driver's seat. And then he said, all right, son, go ahead and shift it in the drive. Uh, and I took my hand on that shifter and I went click reverse, click neutral, click drive. Like I actually had to count the number of moves into that drive position. Now, I didn't do that last night. I, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to take my kids to a baseball game later on today down to see the Padres play. And I, I'm, when I shift into drive, I'm going to just shift into drive. I won't even think about it. I actually won't pass my mind, except for the fact that I maybe mentioned it on this interview with you. And my point is, inside of everyone's brains, we've got two parts. We've got really two components. One is our conscious mind, and the other one is our subconscious mind. And what I do with a lot of business owners is begin to teach them how to train things properly into their subconscious mind. So taking it back to the F-18, when I first started flying airplanes back in the early, early days of Cessnas and T-34s, it was like everything I could do uh, literally to just be able to fly the airplane straight and level and take off and land. And by the time I was at the height of my career flying F-18s, I was flying at past the speed of sound, uh, managing three different complicated displays, a, a radar, a forward-looking infrared, leading in certain cases four up to 20 different airplanes, talking on three radios, in certain cases simultaneously, using my feet and my hands and my eyes and my systems and doing all of this while closing in on adversary airplanes that we were training against, that we, our closure rates were over, in certain cases, 20 miles a minute of closure. That means if you start at 100 miles away from your opponent, that means the entire fight is over in five minutes. And you've done so many things in that period of time. And so all of the tasks, like flying the airplane, turning left, turning right, descending, doing countermeasures, for me, had been trained so well into my subconscious mind that I could do all of the other thinking that I needed to do uh, near simultaneously. And the same is true for you as a career-minded person, as an entrepreneur, or even a business owner. There are a lot of things that you're doing right now and you're doing repetitively that can be, you can begin to train into uh, your subconscious mind. So, for example, one of the things that I teach is communication. I teach people how to use, how to phrase their communication in such a way, a very simple process, teach people how to phrase their communication in such a way that it immediately penetrates the person's mind and begins to take an effect. And there's a way that you can speak that no one pays attention. And there's a way that you can speak where everyone pays attention. Well, if you learn to do this and you understand uh, how to communicate and the way that words get structured and the way that phrases get structured and how to use certain words in certain places, you can practice this stuff enough times so that, for example, like me, when I speak, it just comes out naturally. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to prepare it ahead of time. It just sort of flows out naturally. But all the things have been trained into my subconscious mind, just like shift, shifting in a drive or just like flying an F-18. Uh, and so for an entrepreneur, business owner, or the career-minded folks that you work with, the key for you uh, is to begin to train all of the skills that you want to so that you're totally competent subconsciously at being able to do those perfectly. And then all of a sudden you can start doing more and more and more. And so if you see someone that you think, wow, that person's amazing at you know, multitasking, it's probably the case for them that they've trained a lot of the things that they do so that they can do them perfectly well subconsciously. Uh, and next thing you know, all the rest is theirs to keep. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, I have to admit, I've been doing your, um, your latest program that's sort of the, uh, the mastery of time. Uh -huh. And 
And even some of those things, just getting the cues started in your brain have been super yep. helpful. And, and it's just getting them so that you're getting them to an unconscious state where you're doing them anyway. It was sort of a, a funny thing yeah. with our interaction this morning. You're like, wow, you responded so quickly. And I was like, you know what? It was right there in front of me. I could do it quickly. I'm just going to do it because otherwise, you know, you sort of read and then, oh, I'll go back to it later. And yep. then you never do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So it's uh, yeah. That's, go ahead. That's so interesting. So so the the course you're talking about. I have a course on time freedom. It's called the 21 day time freedom miracle. It's four to seven minutes a day, um, where you watch a video and then you execute one thing. And each day is basically like you just said, training one small thing into your subconscious mind, right? Or one small little tiny tiny change. And that story that you mentioned very early on in our interview, where you said you saw the picture of me in the hangar. Part of that was when I was an F-18 pilot, I was really working hard to get really, really good at small little things so that when I got a tiny, tiny advantage in one small thing, it made a huge advantage. Because listen, when you're flying at almost uh, you know uh, 10 miles every single minute, when you're going that fast, these tiny little things, these little things, you knowing where a certain switch is, or you knowing the perfect airspeed, or you knowing exactly where to put your radar make a huge, huge difference. Man, the same is true for us. So for, for us, as far as time goes, there is something you are executing today. And I have a rule, which is if I've got a to-do list item and it's sitting in front of me and I can do it in less than 30 seconds, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I mean, if I get that email, like today, actually, perfect transparency, I messed up on my schedule, got a mix up between a meeting that I was supposed to have with a bunch of people on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast and that three-hour time difference, I sent them the wrong time. I sent them... I was supposed to meet with them 3.30 today, but instead I gave them the, their time the wrong way. So the bottom line is I had to move our call. We just moved our call like a little bit, but I just said, hey, would you mind moving it one hour? And you emailed right back. And like 30 seconds later, you're like, sure, well, here's the time I'll shift it. And then we did that. But you're able to do that because you're in sort of mass get things done mode. And it was taking less time. And then there's other times where you or me or the folks that I train will be completely off media. You know, so like recently I went up to the mountains for like three days and just did some fly fishing completely off media. Um, I've disconnected from computer and my phone for up to 21 days before completely off media because it's a tool that we need to use. But we also need to remember, uh, you always need to remember to disconnect yourself as much as humanly possible. And you're training yourself, but you're also training your phone. Hey, look, phone, I'm in charge here. So you can't run my life and you would be amazed. Uh, how forgiving people can be when you don't get a hold of them for three days if you just had your thing off. So it works both ways. Absolutely. Actually, that's one of the principles that I teach in my Digital Life Balance program is that you get in the practice of every Friday or whatever day you establish that is, that you actually shut everything off. And it's partially for care of your devices, for to give you the opportunity for updates <laughs> to fully load, for things to get fully recharged and for you to get fully recharged without interruption. So it gives you one whole night yeah. where you don't have any distraction and your devices have a chance to fully recharge and reset. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a small thing, but you'd be amazed how many people are like, wait, you, you mean I can't have, like, I have to turn it all the way off? I'm like, sleep mode does not count. Everything is going to yeah. go completely yeah. off. And it's, it like you said, it's for benefit of both the devices and for the individuals who are using the devices. So, it, it, you know, great. it gives you a chance to fully reset. And I think, you know, whether you do something like that, like your 21-day solution, or whether it's just, you know, little snack bites of recharging, it's uh, it's important to do that and integrate it. Yeah. 
So, um, snack bites, snack bites, Brains. you know, <laughs> nibbles. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, and referring to your, uh, your 21 day program there and, or your 21 day miracle, is that what, that's what the book is. So you had some yeah, really great insight miracle. there. Yeah. Yeah, you had some great insight there in relation to the relationship with technology and basically sort of resetting that. You touched on it a little bit, but what really pushed you to feel that, you know, that full reset was needed? What was the trigger? Yeah, so I just have a simple rule. So first of all, I've trained myself to be quite observant of my own uh, patterns, of my own behavior. That's really the first step, by the way. It's incredibly difficult for us as humans to observe ourselves near as well as we observe everyone else around us. It's super easy to see when somebody else is kind of slipping or messing up. It's hard to, you know, see it in ourselves. That's why marriages sometimes are hard, you know, you know, and you're trying to like uh, help someone else along when you kind of need some help as well. So just really train myself to just be observant of my own patterns. I have a really simple rule and my rule goes like this. Anytime that I find myself becoming emotionally attached or in certain cases, physically attached to something, it's just time for it to go away for a little while. So I'll give you a really simple example. I am on a 21 day news fast. Uh, what that means is I've got a news app on my phone. I've got several different websites that I uh, frequent that are my go-to uh, news websites that are aggregators that I just uh, scroll through the headlines and catch what's going on. I do quite a bit of media interviews. A lot of times uh, talk shows ask me to come on and talk about what's happening in the in the world of national defense, North Korea or Syria or Iran or Iraq or something like that. And so I do need to keep up with the news. Um, my rule, however, is if I find myself just randomly opening my phone for no reason at all and just going to the news because I'm just bored, uh, it's time to take a break. Or, and this is really important, uh, if I find myself getting to the point where I'm becoming emotionally reactive to the news. Now, and that's really difficult not to do sometimes because it's frustrating when you see certain things in the news that you don't think are right. But look, it's just the news. <laughs> They're just telling you what's happening. Uh, and so I find every once in a while, I'll be reading the news and I'll read something about like a new tax law or, you know, something else that's happening that's like anti-business. <laughs> and that happens a lot here in California. I'm like, if I get to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm like mumbling under my breath, it's time to get off of the news. Uh, and I'm doing this um, by design. I'm actually spending 21 days um, off the news. I do a lot of reading of, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of reading of ancient texts. So I spend uh, time in books that were written a really long time ago, the Bible and some other books like that. And I do, I read and think and meditate. And so this morning, for example, I woke up the normal time that I woke up. I came downstairs after spending a little bit of time with my family. I sat in my chair and just thought for a little while and I journaled and prayed and read for a little bit. Uh, and then I got on to my business of going about the day of doing interviews and talking to great people like you. I haven't looked at the news. Don't plan to. Don't plan to for at least the next, I don't know how long more it's going to be, another 20 days or 19 days or something like that. My point is it's just one small way to control your technology. I'll give you another one. I challenge everyone that I go speak to, and I'm going to challenge you as you're listening to this podcast right now with Heidi and I. As you're listening, I want to challenge you to do one thing. I want you to spend one single 24-hour period with your phone completely off. I don't mean airplane mode, like, like how you were saying off, off, like with the switch off. And here's the way it works. You go to bed, you turn your phone off. You spend that entire next day without your phone. And then the next morning after that, um, you're welcome to turn your phone back on. And here's the reason why you do that. 
I want you to notice, just be aware, how many times in that day you check your pockets or your purse or your pocketbook for that phone? Like, I know people who've told me, like, they feel their leg actually vibrating and their phone isn't even in their pocket vibrating. The phone is at home, but their leg has been trained so much to vibrate. It must vibrate, okay? That's when your media begins to take control over you. And I'll tell you, your life will begin to change. You'll realize those text messages that you thought were so important, you can get back to them the next day. People will think, well, what happens if something bad happens? Look, nothing bad's going to happen. It's going to be fine. Only the bad things happen when you have your phone on. <laughs> it's been my experience. Okay, you're going to be fine. But those are just two little examples of how you can take mastery over your technology and begin to live the kind of life that you want to live. I love that. So, you know, so keep count of the phantom vibrations. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's actually <laughs> what it's called. It has a name, which is kind of scary. Um, <laughs> is I, that really what it is? It's oh, called a phantom vibration. <laughs> and I actually had to write about it in my dissertation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's, it's an amazing thing that we've gotten so used to that. Now, you touched on it very briefly, and we're going to come back to it. I want to hear more about the chair. And we're going to come right back after uh-huh. a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Wellness. When pain stops, life begins. Oscar Pulse mimics the body's own recovery processes to relieve pain, muscle stiffness, and inflammation using optimized pulsed electromagnetic field technology, PEMF, to encourage recovery at a cellular level so you can get back to life. And I gotta tell you, this thing works so well, my husband and I are fighting over it. So I highly recommend you take a moment and try it out. They have all kinds of options for checking it out, and they've even given us an opportunity to share a discount with you, $55, by using the 2BU code on the Oscar Wellness site. You can check out the show notes to get more details. And we're back, and I promised you about the chair, because my husband, after hearing Ed speak was like, I need to get a chair that I can just sit in to <laughs> contemplate life. You, can you tell our audience about the chair and what that, you know, yeah. what the significance of that is? Yes. Well, I'm in my office right now, so I'm going to go sit in the chair as I'm talking about my beautiful chair here. So uh, I have an, I have a, uh, live in San Diego. We have a, a house with a three-car garage that I actually converted into an office. Uh, the original plan was office and conference room. I do almost all my client meetings downtown now, so that I've got both sides. And so one side is really actually an office and a studio, and the other side is sort of my thinking area. Uh, and I used to have my chair way back in the corner of my office, but I moved it. I've got this door, this French doors that I'm looking out right now. And my wife, who's amazing, has planted these orange trees and lemon trees, and there's apple trees. And I can see, as I'm sitting here, I can see like three or four different birds fly by. There's a hummingbird, and there's a little what looks like a cardinal and then a few little goldfinches that are all kind of flying around. And then I can look down into the Valley of Bonita, California, which is the city that I actually live. Uh, look at the golf course and the trees and that sort of thing. Well, this is my thinking chair. And I've actually had this chair, same chair for about 20 years. It's just this really comfortable recliner. You'll find me in this chair uh, for at least a half an hour, usually 45 minutes to an hour in the morning, a lot of times during the day. And then at night, sometimes after my kids go to bed and everybody's, kind of winding down and going to sleep. Sometimes I'll come down here and I'll just, I'll spend some time in this chair here. Uh, And this chair is here for one reason. It's for thinking. Um, Most people uh, that I know um, don't think. They really don't spend 
purposeful time actually thinking. But you know what? Some of the best minds in the world, some of the greatest entrepreneurs, some of the best problem solvers are people who allowed their subconscious mind time to think. And so one of the examples I'll give you is that if you've ever had this experience, you know, where you're just about to fall asleep, <laughs> you are just about to fall asleep. And just before you fall asleep, like in that moment, just as you're going from awake to sleep, you just remember something that you forgot. I forgot to call Bill. Oh man, I need to send him an invoice. In that moment, you realize that you had forgotten something. There's a reason for that. And that's because all day long, your conscious mind has been in charge doing things. Uh, and your subconscious mind, which is an amazing servant, has been keeping track of things that you may have forgotten. And your subconscious mind hasn't had a moment to talk to you. And in that moment, just as you're about to fall asleep, your subconscious jumps in because finally, your subconscious has got a little bit of a space where your conscious mind is beginning to turn off. And so what I do is I spend quite a bit of time each day purposely really just turning my conscious mind off just for a little while and allowing my subconscious to like process some things with me, to give me some ideas, maybe to pass some things on to me. I'll give my subconscious, for example, a little bit of a challenge. Like right now I'm working on a new business solution. Right now I've spent a lot of my business career uh, very successfully helping and advising businesses. I get paid fairly well, five figures for just pretty much every deal. Uh, and I've worked with over 400 companies now and it's been really good, but I'm ready to move up to the next level. And I'm ready to be uh, the kind of person that comes into maybe four or five businesses on a retainer basis and as a board member and really dial in those businesses with a equity stake when that company uh, sells. And that transition for me will take a little bit of time and it'll take a little bit of a difference in activity for me to do that it requires a new way of thinking. And so a lot of times I'm sitting in my chair thinking about that and imagining that and connecting myself to certain businesses that I might know uh, that I might be able to help. And some of the best ideas, I do a lot of speaking and writing. I'm working now on a, my sixth book and some of the best ideas come from just sitting down in that chair and just writing some things down and just processing some things. You know, I work with a lot of authors and speakers and I'll talk to authors who go, man, I don't know how I would ever write that long of a book. And I'm like, man, you got it all up in that head of yours. If I just sat down with you and just asked you a bunch of questions and we just had, you know, coffee or tea together for two or three hours. And I just asked you question after question, you'd be able to talk just like I'm talking right now and share your expertise. Well, a lot of that comes out of that time of thinking. And so I just recommend, look, to set aside at least one hour a week. And this is now, I guess, my second challenge. First challenge is 24 hours off of your phone at least once. Second challenge is find an hour uh, once a week just to sit down anywhere in your office, uh, outside, go to Starbucks if you need to, go to the park, set your timer. It's one hour. You can bring a notepad with you, but you can't bring any media. So you can't have your phone on your iPad or anything like that. And for one hour, all you're going to, going to do is just think. I'm going to tell you from experience, the first 10 or 20 minutes, you're probably going to hate me <laughs> because the first 10 or 20 minutes, all you're going to get is this big influx of all the things that you forgot. That's why you have a notepad write that stuff down, let it all go. And I'm going to tell you about 30, maybe 40 minutes into this process, you're going to experience a lot more peace. You're going to experience a lot more calm. You're going to realize a lot of the frustrations and the problems that you may have had going into today will begin to fall away. Uh, and next thing you know, you're going to have ideas. And let me tell you, if you do that one hour a week, just one hour a week, come on now, it's like 40 hours of work. You can do one hour of just thinking when you do that uh, once, or excuse me, when you do that for just one hour a week, all of a sudden, some of the ideas you're going to have are going to be incredibly valuable and they're going to totally transform your life. So when would now be a really great time to do that? <laughs> <laughs> like now. <laughs> How about now? 
Yeah, so, no, it's a, cool. that's really great. So I know you've got kids and you've even got one on the way, which I didn't have a chance to say congratulations, oh. by the way. Yes, um, so how I do, do you know what caused that? Yeah. So how do you balance technology in your household? Okay. So an, another really great question because, you know, uh, one is how I do it myself, but then, it, then you know, I, I have three kids. So I have a 13 year old, an 11 year old and a 10 year old. And then we have one on the way. And look, the 10 and 11 and 13 are right in the middle of that zone where they get like totally like addicted to technology, right? And then, of course, well, my wife homeschools, so we've got technology that's sitting inside of our classroom. And I'll tell you, I'm just going to give credit where credit is due. This is 90% of this is my wife. She, as a teacher and a mom, has done an absolutely amazing job of teaching our kids to just honor and respect technology to use it in the right places and, and to not use it in the wrong places. And so there's just two things that we do, I think, that are quite effective. Number one, they are fairly significantly limited on the amount of pure entertainment technology that they have. They've got a couple hours in the weekend, maybe one or two hours during the week uh, where they can play games together. And that's really, really about it. I was thrilled this morning. My wife was on her way to the Children's Museum with my kids uh, and her sister, who's in town. And as I was on one of these calls, looking out of my office, I saw my two boys, 11 and 10, playing catch with each other in the front yard, which I thought was so cool. Uh, and that's one of the benefits you get out of severely limiting that time. Now, I'm not going to be around to be a dad for those boys. For their, I mean, I'll be around, but they're going to be grown up and out of the house and hopefully making their own decisions. And when they're doing that, our goal is that they will have trained themselves to be able to turn on and off effectively. Because it's just like anything, and actually, it is interesting that we're talking about kids. Because it all comes down to training, right? You're training your kids and you're training yourself. And so if tech is a challenge for you, well, then going back to some of those things you would do to train kids is probably pretty helpful. Like just limit your time, like limit the amount of time that you're on your iPad at night, just like, you know, to 20 minutes instead of three hours, limit the amount of time that you're in front of the TV screen, maybe to 30 minutes instead of three hours, limit the amount of time that you're on your phone. I mean, a lot of times at night, like tonight, when I go to the game, I'll probably have my phone with me because I'm connecting with my dad and my stepmom. We're going to meet us at the game. And then once we get to the baseball game, it's going to be like, you know, we're going to all be there together. I'll have no reason to have my phone on. So I'll probably just turn my phone off for two or three hours just because I don't even want to have it on. Why do I need that electri- electricity in my pocket? I'm not even going to look at it anyway. So yeah, we train our kids to do that. And then, and then the other thing is we use it partially as a reward and discipline system, right? So they lose some screen time based on behavior and they get some screen time based on behavior. And so we use it as an incentive, uh, but not uh, certainly as like they get access to it all the time. It's a great, really great question. I will go back to the thing that I said, which is important for me to just tell you that my wife does really get like 90% of the credit for this. So (laughs) she's, she's got it. She's got it going on there. Well, I mean, kudos to her. And I think that's great. But I think you're showing them, for example, sitting in a chair and valuing time, quiet time to think is, you know, they can mirror that. And one of the big challenges that I get from a lot of clients is they say, you know, well, my kids are addicted to technology. And then but they're sitting there. I mean, I observe them, you know, holding a phone in their hand. They're basically their eye contact is with their phone and they're telling their kids to put the phone away. And if you're not you know, mirroring the right behavior, you have to be really intentional about it and recognize that they're using it for different means as well, because they come from a, a different generation of interaction. So, 
you know, for example, your kids are homeschooled. My kids go to just a regular public school. Most of their curriculum is delivered online. And so I can't take yeah. away their technology. And I wouldn't yep. anyway, yep. because they're, they're pretty good about limitations. But, you, you know, you can't just take it away because then they can't do their that's, homework. That's right. And you can't take it away either because, you know, when your kids are growing weird, like yeah. at some point <laughs> they're going to actually have to be around it. You know, so like that's the thing about my wife and I spend a lot of time in uh, around us other homeschoolers. Right. And uh, the homeschool crowd has gotten like this really bad rap for raising really weird kids. And I will tell you, there are some weird kids in the homeschool world. I'm not denying that. Now, I will say this, uh, for every for every group of weird kids, I can flat out guarantee there's some weird parents. So it's not so much the homeschoolers. It's just the parents. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like, don't blame homeschooling. Sometimes it's just the parents. Now, that said, there are some people who are like totally shut their kids off from the world. Don't watch these movies. Don't watch the radio don't want to have a phone. Okay. And like at some point, like those kids become 18 and they leave the house and then they like have to binge on everything because you, you like didn't train them. Right. So it's all back to training. Absolutely. Just like you said, your kids have to use it. My kids use it too, man, to like learn math. They're doing some of their history on there and stuff. And some of the testing that they do is on there as well. So they have to understand how to use technology, how to type well, how to use a mouse, how to navigate from place to place. They also need to understand some of the dangers of technology. But man, once they get that, it's a matter of training. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I'm curious uh, because obviously, you know, technology is a big part of your business because your, you know, your clients aren't all located in San Diego. What are some of your favorite tools, both sort of personal for life in general and others that you might use for business that are sort of perfect, you know, that are helpful for productivity and your ability to stay connected? Yeah. So just a couple basic ones. So first of all, every, everything, and I mean this, everything for me goes into Dropbox. And now I know this isn't work for some folks if you're working for corporations that have certain security rules and firewall. But for me, every single thing I do goes into Dropbox. Just the other day, I I'm not exaggerating. This is literally one of these days. I, w- I walked into my office. I turned on one computer. It did, wouldn't turn on at all. Uh, I walked into my office. I turned on the other computer and it, it was like in a constant reboot because it couldn't find the proper file. And they're both like new MacBooks. Like, I don't know what the deal was. It's not like I have an old like 1995 Dell. You know, I'm like, these are like new computers. Mm-hmm. Both the computers weren't working. Well, turns out I got one of the computers up and running. That's the one I'm using right now. And then my other computer is still at the Apple shop. And that was three weeks ago. Um, my wife, we took it there. I said, you know, they're probably not going to be able to recover it and you might lose all your data. I said, fine, look, I don't have anything on the computer anyway, because everything that I have, I put into Dropbox. So the first thing is like, forget multiple backup disks and all that other stuff. Use something like Dropbox. There's a great program called Black Blade that does uh, backups for your computer system. I keep everything stored someplace else. That's one of the most important points. The second thing is I use Gmail Suite. Uh, Gmail accounts for all my business stuff, and I use Google calendars for my calendar. And that happens to be extremely effective. I have five different calendars that I use, and I turn them on or off based on who has access to them. So, for example, I have one calendar that is just my wife and I, and that's just me telling her an overview of my schedule. I've got another calendar that has events on. I've got another event calendar that just has like my flight numbers and my hotel confirmations. And so, team members who work for me can turn on and off those calendars. Like, for example, uh, my customer support folks don't need to see my flight numbers and my, you know, Avis 
a reservation for my rental car and stuff like that, but they do need to see when my events are. And when, for example, they need to see that I was on this podcast interview with you, right? So they know um, my schedule. And so I've used a Google uh, calendar extremely effectively and done that. Another system that I really like that I use sometimes and sometimes I don't, I'll tell you why and when I don't use it, is a system called any.do. So it's any, A-N-Y.do. I don't get a commission for any of this stuff, by the way. I'm just telling you what I use. I think it's probably the best to-do list app. You can use it for your phone. You can use it online. It's a super, super simple place for you to capture things on your to-do list and just put them in there. When I'm not using any do, I'm using a straight up old school piece of yellow paper and a pen. <laughs> and sometimes I will do a process called squeezing the sponge, which Heidi, you're about to learn inside of 21 Day Time Freedom Miracle, where the night before, I dump all of my tasks onto a piece of paper. The next morning, I go down, I prioritize them and give them time. And then I go bang through the ones that I can and have an incredibly productive day. Last thing I'll give you as a little tool uh, is this. Most people feel like their days are not productive enough because they don't set really good goals for themselves. Uh, my goal is if I can do three uh, good, good productive things every single day, I consider it a complete day and everything after that is bonus. What that means is that I usually hit my goal by about 11 o'clock or noon. Once I pass that, it's all bonus material after this. So for example, Heidi, I just had an email just before we called from somebody who saw me speak uh, at the event that you came to and is interested in doing some coaching, consulting with me, which you've done. That is a bonus task for me, but it just so happens that I've got a call slot open, which is super rare uh, towards the end of today. I'll jump on the phone and hopefully I'll get another uh, coaching client, which for me is a really good day in the office, but that's all bonus. Um, I had all my stuff done earlier. So set a nice goal for yourself, three to five things. And then everything after that, you can keep going if you want to, but everything after that is bonus. So there's a little bit of a rapid fire take at just some good productivity stuff for you. Well, I love that. And I think that, it, you know, it's it's beautiful that you brought it around to the old school technology of pen and paper. I actually use sort of a hybrid version, which is pen and paper, but it's actually paper that I can do a scan picture directly and it goes directly into my Evernote. So it's searchable and I can put tags on it so that I can fit it into different Files. It's called Rocket. Yeah, it's called Rocket Book. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a great system because I do love, particularly with to do lists. It's nice not to have to have so many windows open on your computer, and yep. to be yep. able to actually check off the checkbox is pretty. Yep. Uh, you know, there's sort of an emotional response to that. It's like oh, you can breathe. You know, so that's cool. I I, I really cool. like that that aspect of sort of the technology of pen and paper. I like it. Ed, like this it. has been such a treat having you on my podcast and joining us today. I um, I always enjoy our conversations, but I just really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to share your wisdom with my uh, digital selfers. So this has just been a treat. And I just want to acknowledge and say thank you for your service, because I think people aren't acknowledged enough for that. So I really do appreciate it. Cool. Man, thank you so much for that. I've had an awesome time just getting to know you and your business. We started this thing off a long time ago with a single 30-minute call. I know you had done a training right around then with um, a guy that I do a lot of work with, Mike Canning's. I've been just so impressed to watch and see your business grow. I got a call with your husband tomorrow, which is going to be awesome. So me and Bjorn are going to take it downtown and talk about his life and business too, which is going to be great. So, awesome. And I know we got a big mastermind coming up here in Santa Barbara. So life continues to go on. I'm 
I'm certainly in your corner rooting for your success as usual, and the sky's the limit for you. So thanks for having me. It's been an honor. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And for all of you digital solvers out there, thank you for joining us today. And don't forget to, if you enjoyed the show, to subscribe, rate, and review, and share with your friends. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time on The Evolving Digital Self. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.